is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Ben, 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 my good friend, holy cow, uh, we've got something to be excited about, I think, on this episode of the podcast. I think we do. I think we need to lead off with a certain topic, which will bring you massive There's joy. Two things. It It is one specific thing that the boogeyman has been fired by your Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith is gone, and uh, we can, we can rejoice now as fantasy managers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he can no longer hurt Kyle. He is off limits. You can't touch him anymore. He's not yours. He can't hurt. He's mine. There's no more. No more Kyle Pitts pain. He's no mine. more John Robinson pain. Kyle is officially off the weekly weenies until further notice. Until his poor play puts him right back on the weekly weenies list next year. <laughs> we'll At see. At least there won't be the Arthur Smith uh, excuse anymore. At least it's all right. If he if he else. sucks if he sucks next year, that's on me. I missed on Kyle Pitts. Well, the Falcons missed on <laughs> Kyle Pitts too. It wasn't just me. But if he sucks next year, all right, I'll give it to you. He's not good. But until that time comes, I'm all in. I'm back. Kyle Pitts is back. Drake London's back. Bijan's back. The Atlanta Falcons fan base has hope again. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I think at the very minimum, we can just say that there won't be any weird shenanigans anymore in terms of player usage. There, uh <laughs> Johnu Smith. Why is why is Tyler Algier getting the ball seventeen times and Bijan Pitts and London have a combined four touches? Exactly. Why yeah, Johnu Smith had something like sixty or seventy targets this year? I, I would assume understand. that will that will go away. I would like to see him cut. This is the funniest stat that I was sent at any point in uh, the lead up now to the off season. Uh, somebody sent me that the Falcons did, in fact, target their tight ends more than any other team in the NFL. Bull crap. Kyle Pitts was still awful. <laughs> Bull crap. And all of I, I mean, again, it's like if you're getting – if I was your NFL quarterback and I targeted you 15 times again, game, you would suck. Yeah. So Desmond Ritter is out there, and guess what? He sucks. He's not good. So 15, 15 targets from Desmond Ritter, it doesn't get you much. We'll say that. It does not. He He's not a good player. I have and, nothing against uh, Desmond Ritter as a person, but I have a lot against him as a player. Kyle Pitts did end up with 86 targets this year. Unfortunately, Jonu Smith had 70. And Johnu Smith wasn't even with us the entire season, I don't think. No, y'all y'all traded for him in the offseason from the Patriots. Did we? Or signed him, one of the two, I don't know. I are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Let's let's find out. Johnu Smith played seventeen games this year 
for the Falcons. Okay. I guess so. Maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. I just don't remember getting him in the offseason. It was one of those like under the radar acquisitions where obviously you don't think about it, but but yeah, the the target distribution here, there were uh, 491 of them to go around, which is not a big passing pie to start with. But then you go 107 to Drake London. That's, you know, okay. He should be your top targeted player. That's fine. Kyle Pitts was your second most targeted with 86. Uh, Bijan Robinson did have 83. Not bad. But then you see um, Johnu Smith, 70. Uh, Mac Hollins, Van Jefferson, Kaderil Hodge, Tyler Algier, Scotty Miller. Anyways. That was one of the biggest reasons. I mean, the, I, obviously the people say anything, but the the general consensus is I mean, obviously he misused, you know, Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson was one of the biggest reasons he got fired. And then he the hill he chose to die on was his quarterbacks. His yes. refusal refusal to go get somebody and he's like, I can make it work with these guys. They when they're this bad, you can't. And that was what in the end did Arthur Smith in. Was his refusal to go get a quarterback. And maybe the fact that he cussed out Dennis Allen because uh, they they ran the score up on him in the in the final game of the year. Legit, I was so happy that happened because when it when it did, I'm like, all right, he's definitely gone now. Like he's fired. <laughs> that was so. I mean, I know I under I fully understand not appreciating the fact that the Saints lined up in victory formation and then scored a rushing touchdown. I get to, being frustrated. It, it that, wasn't Dennis but, Allen's fault though. That was no, a player it wasn't. Call. That was. Dennis Allen came off looking really stupid when he was like apologize like just at the end of the just just don't say anything just be like you know what it is what it is like I mean what are you, what why are we apologizing for scoring in a game where the idea of the the point is to score points uh, do we get mad about scoring I, I don't know I thought that was so I stupid mean, it was such I, a weird situation I was always a fan of Steve Spurrier back in the day and he would run up the score on people and when people got mad at him, he would just be like, okay, stop me. Exactly. I won't score on you if you stop me. But until that happens, like, what do you, you, make, you want me to tell those boys out there to go out and take a knee? No. We're going to go out there and try to score every time. That's the point of the game. 100%. The whole so, purpose of the game of football is to put There is a certain level of sportsmanship, which I get. But Dennis Allen didn't have any control over that. Jamal Williams... As much as I didn't like him last year because he stole points from DeAndre Swift, the players like him. He had not scored this year. They wanted to get him in the end zone. So here we are. Yeah. They they made the call on the field, so not Dennis Allen's fault. What a really funny way for the season to end, though. Let's be, that, that it was, was, it just, was perfect. It was so good. Just a was, nice, nice way to go. I was go. going into that game, and like, I need two things to happen. I need A – the Falcons, I needed them to lose in epic fashion, and they did. And I was they like, did. I need the Bucks to make sure that they win the division so there's no chance we get into the playoffs. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been the worst if y'all ended up oh, winning that gosh. game in, in a roundabout my way? My tone would be, a, be totally different right now. That would have been just brutal. I think you have the eighth overall pick for the third year in a row. We won't ever be bad enough to get a, a high pick and get a quarterback. But we won't ever get a good enough quarterback to really take us anywhere in the playoffs. We are stuck in that middle 
and it's awful. Maybe you can be uh, or do what the Panthers did last year and trade up to the number one overall pick from way down there and trade yeah, so, way, way too much to do it. And then, so let's let's make sure we trade Bijan and Kyle Pitts plus two firsts and go get Caleb yeah. Williams. Exactly. Yeah. I could. Yeah, that's and that's another problem. Is I who are we going to get at quarterback? I don't know. It's not going to be worse. But it literally is not going to be worse. It is not. A few other coaches got fired uh, so far. There's there's probably more axes to fall after we record this. But as of this moment, Ron Rivera and Mike Vrabel have also been fired. Um, Rivera doesn't surprise me. Vrabel definitely does. No. That was that was interesting. That took me by surprise. I was shocked. I knew that there were rumblings coming out of that building that Vrabel wasn't necessarily happy. And obviously they didn't win a lot of games this year. But Mike Vrabel covered up a lot of wards. That roster, we said going into the season that that was the worst roster in football. That team was bad. Yeah, still is. It's it's terrible. They, I mean, Levis may end up being a quarterback of the future. I still don't know yet. But... They have a terrible offensive line. They have a horrible secondary, um, like no pass catchers. Derrick Henry is about to walk out into the sunset. Um, yeah, I saw, a, I saw a, a story or whatever where Henry essentially has told all his teammates goodbye. So he knows he's not resigning there. Yeah, yeah, he's expecting to be gone. Um, so yeah, Vrabel's, Vrabel's leaving. I think what's very interesting is a lot of – People expect Bill Belichick to be out as the Patriots coach. And assuming that's the case, Mike Vrabel feels like a very easy hire for the Patriots. I do not. I'm not really a betting man. I will say that right now. But I would place a largeable amount of money, a large amount of money on the fact that we, I think Vrabel's going to the Patriots. I, yeah. If I had if I had to bet on, on one place, that would be the one. The Chargers could also benefit from some Mike Vrabel because I think what we know about Vrabel is that he gets the most out of his teams, and he hasn't always had great teams, but he has gotten the Titans to the playoffs several times with let's let's face it, just limited rosters. Imagine what Ryan Tannehill is not the quarterback, quarterback to get you there. It's not. He is not. He is. Justin not. Herbert so, is. Herbert Herbert can get you there if if you can stop all the goofiness. Um, so yeah. Who do we, who do we think replaces these guys? Obviously we think Vrabel's going to the Patriots, we think. Yeah. Do, do the, do you think the commanders just bring the enemy in? Or, or is he going somewhere else? That I don't know. I haven't gotten, and this is so funny because Bienemy feels like he's he's up for jobs every single cycle, and just doesn't ever get a job offer for whatever reason. I haven't heard Bienemy's name coming up for the commander's job. I keep seeing. I haven't really heard his name up from any jobs, really. I haven't either. I keep hearing that they're going to go hard after Jim Harbaugh. I keep hearing Vrabel as well. Um, ben Johnson, I think. I just, for whatever reason, Biennemi doesn't come up in that, that list of the top guys. I think the clear top three right now for 
for whatever it's worth, seems to be Jim Harbaugh, Mike Grable, and Ben Johnson in in any specific order. I have, and this is this is a bold prediction, so do not take take this with a grain of salt, people. This is not a this is not a thing I'm saying will happen, but it, like I said, bold prediction. I saw something a few days ago where it was somebody talking about how Andy Reid isn't far from retirement. Potentially, uh, he could retire even this season. Nothing confirmed, but they said he could. He's thought about it. And so my bold prediction is if that happens, BNME is going right back to the Chiefs. And maybe he knows something that we don't. And this may have been his plan for a while now. Again, yeah. bold prediction, but I could see it happening. Yeah. Uh, also, Bill Belichick, I don't know if, if he'll actually – get the axe or not or if he'll remain seems like a, a major question mark kind of looming over a lot of other potential coaching carousel moves is whether or not bill belichick ends up getting out because i've seen the commanders would be very interested the chargers it's um, a lot of teams are going to be interested in bill belichick yes his name is going to carry a lot of weight i have also seen the panthers they're <laughs> panthers are so panthers funny are they're not going to be able to really get anybody to have interest in that job so they're they're like, yeah, we'll go get Bill Belichick. Well, what if Bill Belichick doesn't even want to go to the Panthers? What if he doesn't leave the Patriots, period? Yeah, what if he stays? What if they're like, they come and work things out, figure it out in a, I don't know. Who knows? The Panthers are such a disaster right now. It is, it's not even funny. They're bad. They're bad. But the beauty of the NFL is that if you play your cards right, in any given two-year window, you can figure it out. We'll see. But right now, their their cards are bad. <laughs> the deck that they've been dealt is rough. Whew. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the, the national championship happened last night. Michigan beat Washington in... I guess the final score is pretty convincing fashion. I think it was like 34 to 13. Um, it wasn't that we, big a blowout most of the game. It, they kind of pulled away it was in not. the fourth quarter. It was not. This game was definitely in doubt in the fourth quarter. Um, Michigan's offense really didn't get anything going for, frankly, outside of the first couple drives when Donovan Edwards ripped off massive runs and scored. Um, outside of those two runs, they didn't do hardly anything until the final couple drives in the fourth quarter to close it out so it was a very interesting game this isn't a college football podcast but i figured we figured it would be worth decompressing a little bit on some of these players that are going to soon become fantasy assets uh michael Penix, jj mccarthy roma dunze uh blake corum i don't know do you have any overarching broad strokes thoughts on some of these players Maybe especially if anything has changed in your mind about some of these guys after uh, the national championship. A, li a little bit. And less so with the Michigan guys. I I really don't have any interest in, in any of them. I don't think that uh, McCarthy is that good. I don't think Blake Corum's that good. They It just is what it is. Uh, I still like Odunze a lot. He's still my wide receiver three. I still think he's potentially a top five pick in super flex leagues. Um, obviously, landing spot depending. But yeah, I, I, I'm i a big Romo Dunze fan. 
Like he's my clear wide receiver three. The top three receivers in this class, I think there's a break after after Odunze. Um, but Penix was the one that I was paying the most attention to. Because going into this game, and I guess I still do to a certain extent, I was like, I really like Penix. I'm like, if he goes out there and balls out in this game, like I'm going to be super in on Michael Penix. And the reality is he didn't. And part of it was, I mean, he just, I don't know if it was the stage. Um, he missed some kind of really easy layup shots on some throws. He was also under more pressure than I think he's been under the entire year with Michigan. He was up against a team that could out-physical you, which they haven't really faced a lot of this year. So that plays into it. I still think Penix is a first-round pick, but I was thinking he was probably pushing towards a top five to six. Potentially, I could see somebody jumping up and taking a shot out of him. I don't know now. Maybe he falls out of the top ten. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know, but I think he's... I thought he was could be pushing Drake May as far as my own favorite prospects. I think he fell out of that last night. He definitely did. Michael Penix was really interesting because I have not gotten into like I haven't watched film on all these players yet so a lot of these reactions to players are very they're swinging they're wide-ranging as we start to slowly dive into dynasty season and since we had Penix playing games right now it was there was obviously a lot of hype surrounding Washington and their season and after he completely carved up Texas it was like all right this is a ball placement specialist. He is he's a potentially a fantastic, uh, accurate thrower of the football. And the hype train it got it got rolling a little bit after they made it to the national championship. And then of course they ran into the the brick wall that was Michigan's defense and and things sort of fell apart. I think what's interesting with Penix is there was a, a range of his ability that I was hoping to that I was hoping it would end on the higher end. I was hoping he would play better against Michigan. Uh, the range for me was he could be anywhere from like a, a Tua Tagovailoa sort of player to a CJ Stroud sort of player. And by that, I mean a very accurate thrower. Um, but, but I think there's a difference like CJ Stroud, Joe Burrow, even you could put his, his name in there. These these players are guys who are accurate, um, and maybe some they would be couch potatoes would consider them game managers, but they are like elite um, managers of football games, where like they they move the team forward. The team revolves around them, I guess, um, but they're not like crazy athletes doing ridiculous stuff. I mean, they're just. They're quarterbacks. They play the the position traditionally. They're very good at it. Tua Tagovailoa is on the lower end of that spectrum where he needs a bit more help in order to succeed. At least I, I perceive him that way, where if you give him weapons, he's really good. If you protect him, he's really good. But if he's uncomfortable, he's not great. Whereas I think guys like Burrow and Stroud can still deliver when the pass rush is in their face, when maybe they don't have all of their weapons um, so I, I think Penix comes in more on the two side of that, where he needs things to be moving, uh, 
in the right direction for him to move in the right direction. I don't think he tugs the team along with him. I think he goes as the team goes to a certain extent. Um, and a lot of that will play out just based on where he gets drafted, what sort of coaching staff he gets drafted to, what sort of situation he ends up in. But yeah, I mean, I, he's still potentially a really good NFL player, but I think as of right now, I'm, I, I don't think top five pick is, is going to be the reality that we see for, for Michael Penix. I mean, depending on, you know, how he does in pro days and combines, plus all the other scouting stuff, film breakdowns, I still probably won't mind him at eight to Atlanta, realistically. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of NFL teams. It's, I say Tua as like a little bit of a knock, but still, Tua is a very good NFL quarterback. Like, I do think Penix is going to be a really good NFL player, but he's going to be a bit more subjected to his situation than, than he is a player that goes in and changes the situation. Yeah, it was it was crazy. You and I were texting each other earlier today. Like, he looks like Tua, and I was like, "Is it just because he's a lefty?" Like, no, he he just plays like Tua. He plays a lot. He's very like Tua. accurate, but I mean, he's not. He's just not a. I hate to say it like this because I don't mean it in a bad way. But like his, their just playmaking ability isn't to the same level of some of the other guys. They're good. Don't get me wrong. But you take Tyreek Hill away from Tua Tagovailoa, and and thing bad things happen. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, you take Jamar Chase away from Joe Burrow, he can still go win a game. Or you take Tyreek Hill away from Patrick Mahomes, like they can go still win games. Yeah. Uh, some of these other guys here, I I agree. I think Adunze is really really good, and I think that He's was reiterated stud. against Michigan, like. He's a stud. I don't. I don't know if you felt this way about it, but like Michigan took away Polk and uh, McMillan, like they to me did not. I haven't looked at the stat sheet, so I don't know how their stats, I guess, came out. But like they didn't do anything in my mind's eye. Like trying to remember that game, Odunze still got his. Like was still really effective, and he had a couple plays where there's that long ball in the first half where if. Penix hits him. That's like a touchdown, a 40, 50 yard touchdown. There was a 30 yard catch that was called back due to a penalty. Um, Odense could have had 150 to 200 yards in that game. And it didn't yeah. work out that way. But in the end, he still uh, had five catches for 87 yards. Yeah. And it could he have still been. had a good game. And it could, it could have been a very, very, very good game against a great defense. So Odense's him, he's great. He's very McCarthy, I think he's, I have, he could be a top 10 pick. Oh, for sure. I, I definitely think so, depending on how he tests. Um, J.J. McCarthy, I think, is the other one. I am I think the jury's still out on Blake Corum. I'm not – I don't know. I, I don't care enough at this moment in time to really get into Blake Corum. But I think McCarthy's interesting because I have legitimately no clue what to do with him at the next level. I – and, again, I, I haven't watched a ton of film on him. I haven't been a fan of him the past couple of years at Michigan. He just doesn't strike me as a guy who can take over a game. And meaning what I mean by that, like if, if the rubber hits the road and he's got to go down there and win a game, I, I just don't know if he's that guy. 
He only threw 10. He only had 10 completions last night. Now, granted, Michigan ran for 300 yards, but it's a national championship. He only had three completions or 10 completions. Yeah, he he benefited. And I think also this is going to be his detriment as we evaluate him as a prospect. He benefited from an amazing football team around him where they didn't need J.J. McCarthy to be the engine that moved them forward. They just yeah. had a really great running game, a really great offensive line, and a really great defense. They just choked people out in so many football games. They were not a team that went and scored a bunch of points, and that was their M.O. They were a team that just shut you down, that took away all the things that you do well, ran the ball down your throat, and just killed you slowly over four quarters. And uh, that, that just doesn't create a scenario where J.J. McCarthy has to do a whole lot. And so what that means is, as we're evaluating him as an NFL prospect, we don't know what he can do because he never really was asked to do a lot in college. So, like, he could be great. And I, I have no idea because I've just never seen him push to the I brink. I mean, I'm looking at said, you, you look at some of his stats and in the big wins, and this is, again, it's not necessarily <laughs> his fault because of what Michigan was as a team. I mean, they – ran the ball and were very physical, but he threw for 60 yards against Penn State on like eight Gee attempts. Whiz. He threw for, was it, I want to say it was like 100 and, 148 yards against Ohio State because they didn't have to. Like against Iowa, a big game, he threw for 147 yards. Like he just, I haven't seen him have to be the guy. Like even with Penix, like I've seen Penix have to do it. I have to th- go out there and throw for 400 yards. Again, not necessarily saying like everybody has to be like, if you're not a quarterback who throws for 400 yards a game, I don't want you. But like, I I haven't seen him once win a game. And like when I say that, like he hasn't had to be the guy to do it. Yeah. So yeah, for that reason, I I just am not that high on him because I haven't seen it. Yeah, and all that does all that to say he could he could prove us really wrong. But he I think could. it's one of those things where like we're just cautious because we don't. We don't know. And like testing numbers at the combine are not going to tell us how good McCarthy is. What tells us how good McCarthy is is game tape. And there is nothing on his game film that says this is an elite without a doubt stud quarterback. Like I just I haven't seen that. And and it's not his fault. It's just but it's the, just not the thing there. is you're not going to either. Yeah. That's the you're problem. not going to see it. You're not going to know until it gets into the NFL and and we see him and um, that could that's a coin flip. I really have no idea. And so somebody somebody's will take a chance on him, but like I don't know where that one goes. Yeah. I don't I don't want him in Atlanta. I will say that. I would not want him either. <laughs> I would not want him in eight at all. That one's that one's scary. I would rather have Bo Nix. I'd rather have Penix. And uh, likely you're gonna uh, Jaden Daniels, I'd rather have him too. Um, oh gosh, I'd rather have Jaden Daniels. And I'm not yeah. super high on Jaden Daniels. Of course, he could go and prove me wrong like Anthony Richardson did, so we'll see. He, he definitely could. Um, okay, this is a where we were right, where we were wrong episode, and we've just spent like 27 minutes talking about other stuff. But there There's was a lot, a lot of stuff going down. on around the league. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, this is where we were right, where we were wrong, just sort of looking back at the 2023 season and uh, basically trying to see were we uh, were we way off base on a lot of our takes this year? Were we on point? This should be a short know. section. 
<laughs> the, because the we weren't wrong. Section. Yeah, we were never we, wrong. So we, we just just skipped through that. We honestly, I'll, I'll give ourselves a little pat on the back. I don't think we say this to to humble brag or anything, but we did not have like massive swings and misses. Let's put it that way. Not too bad. And I think we really do this just to have uh, some transparency with our process, why we said what we said, and if we missed, try to explain why we thought what we thought going into the season. Um, and if we hit, maybe we get to celebrate a little bit, but I don't think it's really to brag so much as just to be transparent with what we were thinking, what we are thinking, and uh, why we've made some of the calls we've made. Yeah. So to get into it? We shall. Um, we're just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat some crow really quickly here. <laughs> it was the call we, we put heard around one of, the world, We put one of each of these. One of, yeah, one of this, each of these in here. This was one of the ones where I Yours was very, very wrong. This was bad. I had, at one point in the offseason, Michael Pittman ranked as my wide receiver 47 going into the season. That was really bad. I believe in that episode, I screamed at you. You yelled a lot at me, and for good reason, because Michael Pittman finished as the wide receiver 13. Um, there was a... There was a sane reason for the ranking. I will. No, there I will is say no that. sane reason to put a top <laughs> ten receiver to rank him that low. There was. There was a sane reason. It was incorrect, um, but it was. There Very. was a couple. It was. There was many layers to it. Layer number one was I projected Anthony Richardson to start the whole season. Layer number two. I did not project Anthony Richardson to be a very good passer in his rookie year. Remember the the discourse on Richardson coming into the season was potentially could be a train wreck as a passer. We have no idea. Um, he's never really been a great passer uh, in college. Uh, he's just a freak and and tested incredibly well at the Combine. And so had a bright future, but we didn't know what he was going to be day one. So I projected the... Colts to not be very good passing the ball, but I, I mean, I did project Michael Pittman to have a massive role in the offense. I projected him. I think I looked, it was a 28% target share. He ended up at a 27% target share. So like his role, I projected correctly. Don't pat yourself on the back here. Well, I mean, I, I projected his <laughs> importance in the offense pretty much on point, but what I did not project was Gardner Minshew being the quarterback for much of the season. And, um, 28% of Gardner Minshew's targets versus what I thought Michael Pittman was going to get for most of the season, those are two different things. And they, it just He was ended good up, with Anthony Richardson, too. Let's not miss he was. that either. He was. I was wrong on Richardson initially. I think Richardson was a better passer initially than I thought he would be. And so there was just there was a lot of small misses that led to a giant, holy crap, Josh thought he was the wide receiver 48 and he was wide receiver 13. It was a boo-boo. That was rough, and I was wrong. Very sorry. Don't worry, I was wrong too. <laughs> and it's it's I've I've come around on it now. I've seen the error in my ways, and I guess to a certain extent, I wasn't necessarily alone here. But it was it was more of I took a long time to come around on Puka. You were in on him like like week one or two, like after you saw one game of him, you're just like, oh, okay, this guy's legit, and I was like. 
hold on, let's pump the brakes. Cooper Cup is on IR. I want to see him with Cooper Cup, and I was and I was slow to get there. I'm like, just trust me, Cooper Cup's gonna gonna end up being the guy. Cooper Cup is gonna take the role back. He's gonna get back to 15 targets. He's gonna do this, and he just he just didn't. I mean, he still had a good role, but Puka didn't go away when he came back. So, so I was definitely too slow to come around on Puka and and missed out on on getting him in a lot of places. Yeah, I don't. <sighs> I'm not going to give you a ton of crap about this because there were there were reasons not to be super in on Puka immediately. I happened to not believe in any of them. I was just like I watched him play. I thought and you I were crazy. Like, oh my gosh! I thought you, you, were you nuts. thought I'm I was like, nuts. My God, Josh! <laughs> <laughs> you were like, calm down. But then it just kept happening. It was like over like week two. Again. You're like, you prefer him or Jackson Smith and Jigba? I'm like, what are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't. Yeah. You had this one right. <laughs> I I I got a little I mean it sometimes you get you'd rather be a little bit lucky than good and I do think there was you know there's a little bit of luck involved there um but when you come out week 1 and have 10 catches for like 140 yards week 1 or whatever it ended up being uh it was 10 catches for 119 yards and then they went and played the 49ers that's what it was he came out against Seattle and was really good obviously 14 targets 10 catches that's awesome. But, you know, it could have been a fluke. We've seen Sammy Watkins before. But then they go and play the 49ers. <laughs> that was a low blow. I'm sorry. Um, they played the 49ers, and he had 15 for 147. And I was like, all right, I've seen all I need to see. That's incredible. Um, so, yeah. And then he was just really good when Cooper Cup came back. It was just great. It was awesome. Yeah, Tutu, Tutu Atwell had a few good games in there, too. So I was sitting there like, I mean, come on, Tutu Atwell's playing well. You really expect me to buy in on Puka? And then Cooper Cup came in, and he drip, he dropped from, like, I don't know, 17 points per game to, like, 16 and a half points per game. So, like, nothing really happened. So Puka, Puka is extremely good. I was too slow to come around on him. I'll I'll – I'll let you have I'll just let you have a pass on that one. I think I think that's okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, you can't I'll have them all, but that's okay. Um no. here's another one. The rest of these we all both badly. of us messed up on these. Yeah, we were we were collectively uh a whiff on this one. This is if we had to have like a real boo boo this year, it was Miles Sanders. Oh yeah, that one. Um, You've gotten here. I didn't remember this, but we had him ranked at 15. That sounds right, but that's rough now. You see that one and you go, oh, God. <laughs> I don't even had... know where he finished. I think it was around running back 52. <laughs> it's bad. And it was because he flat out lost his job. Straight yeah. up. He's a backup. He, he was terrible. Um, he got injured. That was part of it. He got injured and then tried to play through it and was really bad playing through it. And they said, you know what? Chuba Hubbard is better than injured Miles Sanders. And then Chuba Hubbard played halfway decent the rest of the season. And they said, all right, we're just going to we're just going to keep it rolling with you. Chuba is it was kind of like a Najee Harris, a Jalen Warren situation to where Sanders and Harris just just look sluggish. And Chuba and Jalen Warren, like straight up, they have more juice than the other two guys. They just they just look better. Yeah, I mean, we say that, but then Najee Harris did look quite quite good after they fired, um, what's his face, the offensive coordinator that was terrible. Ask Jake, he'll know. 
Yeah, he Canada. Was. Matt Canada. There you go. Canada. Yeah, they fired him, and Najee Harris was quite good after that. I don't know if that's related or not, but that's what I'm saying it is. Yeah. I traded uh, my late first-round rookie pick for Miles oh, no. Sanders in a league because I was I needed a running back. That rookie pick turned out to be Zay Flowers. So oh, no. that one hurts. Oh, no, Ben. That's... To be fair, on this mm. show, we generally put our money where our mouth is, and I did. And that that was a roll of dirty pennies, let me tell you. <laughs> um, we also got super in on Calvin Ridley in the pre-draft process. We thought he was going to be awesome. If and you... Go ahead. Well, I guess after the full season, you look at it, he finishes the wide receiver 18. I think we had him ranked around 15-ish. Um, yeah, 15 or a little higher. And I, we both said, like, he's got wide, like, wide receiver, not one overall, but, like, he can be a wide receiver one. That's that's his upside. So, Yeah, I think with him, the numbers at the end of the season aren't egregiously awful, but he missed so many touchdowns. And I think by proxy also, Trevor Lawrence was not good, but – there's a clip circulating right now on Twitter. It's just a compilation of the almost touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence. And it's a two-minute long clip. Yeah. Just fantasy play after guides, play. Fantasy guys on Instagram, they do a series of missing points, which I, I think is fascinating. Every week I read it. And I think Calvin Ridley was like by far in all of fantasy the number one guy in missing points. Yes, he was. Um, I think he still ended up with 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns, so it, it doesn't look horrific. But I think the two takeaways for Calvin Ridley were, one, he just got really unlucky with touchdowns, even though he had eight touchdowns, which is really weird. Um, but also, he struggled mightily to beat press man coverage this year. There were several games when he would get matched up with a physical corner, somebody would put hands on him, and he would just be taken out of a game. Um, which it's not what you want to see from a, a receiver yeah, a, that is really good. He's an awesome route runner. Like I would never not say he's one of the best route runners in the league, but he's just, I don't know if it's just not, maybe, maybe not necessarily not strong. He just, yeah, he can't, if a guy can stick him at the line, he struggles to get off. Yeah. <clears throat> Last one here, Tony Pollard. Yeah. We're going to, take our boo-boos here with with Tony Pollard um we thought he could be like a top 10 running back I think I got as high as RB6 I think that was that was about as high as I got on Pollard um I don't remember if that's where I finished right before the season started but high I was high on Pollard thinking uh Zeke leaves Pollard's been so efficient for these three or four years uh, you give him more work, that means good things will happen. He got more work, good things didn't happen. He's just he's just not that good. I don't know. I think it's very interesting. I think uh, he might be a bit of the Jalen Warren situation. And I don't Great know if this is true or not. Great change of pace guy, but not a bell cow back. Um, I think... Tony Pollard benefits from having a another bruiser back in the backfield to do some of the 
ugly work that a running back needs to do. I don't think Tony Pollard's built for that kind of stuff. Um, I think he's just no. he's built to be a lightning to somebody else's thunder, I think. Yeah, it was like every time they got down in the red zone, too, I was like, oh, shoot, Tony Pollard's about to score, and he just never did. He didn't at all. It just turned into a CeeDee Lamb touchdown every single time it felt like. Yeah. Or Jake CD Ferguson. benefited mightily from Zeke being gone. He did. He absolutely did. Uh, okay, that was the gross stuff. How about we talk about where we were right? Yeah. Because yeah, let's, this is let's the fun Let's see part. where we won. Uh, why don't you lead us off? Hit us with that first one that we, we're going to pat ourselves on the back and say we got right. Number one, you know I got to give a shout out to Jameer Gibbs for being, being dead right on him. We thought he had super high upside. He was actually at one point the running back six. Um, it took a while of longer than you want for him to kind of get going. But once he did, he was absolutely that guy. I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I would love to see like what he was from like week seven on because he had to be like top five from week seven on. I will pull it up because he was very slow to get going. But once he did, I mean, he was scoring 20, 20, 24, like 19, 24. Like, it was it was awesome. And so we projected him to finish, I think, at running back nine and he finished at running back 10. So I'll I'll take it. Top 10 running back. Uh, most 15-yard runs among rookies. Uh, second in targets per game. Jeez. There's no way to slice it. Like, he, Jamar, Jameer Gibbs is a beast. And, yeah, we were, we were right to put him where we had him. Yeah, so from week 6 to 18, he was the RB5. Yeah, I figured he had to, he had to be top 5. Once he... And that was kind of a caveat with him. Like, everybody knew, like, give him a couple weeks to get it going. It took a few more than you were willing to. But if you were able to buy low on him, you probably won your league. Yes. Yeah. Um, If you could have weathered those first few weeks, that first month plus, where David Montgomery was really, really good and Gibbs just was inconsistent, you could see it, but it just wasn't translating to fantasy points. Uh, if you could have weathered that, you probably feel great about Gibbs. I know a lot of people had Gibbs and just felt like he was terrible for them this year. And, like, the truth of it is he was not consistent, but he was still really good. He was far more consistent over the later half. There was still some ebbs and flows, but he sort of established his floor, I think, of around – nine or ten points whereas like beforehand it was really low but his ceiling he showed it off i mean he can he can go out there and have 150 yards and two scores yeah and he got his he got a red zone role it was after montgomery's injury i think and then so he obviously had the full workload was awesome those two weeks and that was when the lions coaching staff was like all right he's ready let's let's feature him yeah we also got TJ Hawkinson right. I'll I'll give you more flowers on this one because he was one of your my guys. You were very, very in on TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson. And uh, you nailed it. We nailed it. Uh, you nailed it. Uh, TJ Hawkinson finishes I'll the tight it. end, too. He was, he was great this year. I think you could make the argument TJ Hawkinson, maybe outside of Sam Laporta, probably over Sam Laporta, was the best fantasy football tight end this year. Yeah, I think... I think part of it was T.J. Hawkinson got hurt late in the season, busted up his knee, 
very sad about that for for my dynasty teams where I had him. But uh, banged up his knee, so we'll see how he does there. But he was, I want to say, the tight end one before that. He was. I know Laporta was catching him, but he was he was the tight end one. So he missed the last. Okay, so he missed the last two weeks. So that's where Laporta caught him. But still, I mean, he he was awesome. Uh, I mean, even with no Kirk Cousins, he was just a safety blanket for for uh, whoever the quarterback was. Obviously, Justin Jefferson missing time helps, but I mean, he was dominating even when Jefferson was there. So yeah, he was. Yeah, he was I, awesome. Pat, pat ourselves on the back. Um, my uh, my guy for me, T.J. Hawkinson, balled out. We also uh, were not very high on Quentin Johnston coming into the season. Probably. My goodness. It was probably due we, to the fact that Keenan Allen and Mike Evans or Mike Williams were ahead of him in the rotation. I think if we would have known Mike Williams was going to get hurt early in the season, we might have been fooled into Quentin Johnston a little bit. That being said, we definitely did not love him as a prospect coming into the into the league and it was it just felt weird like he had some measurables that were really good but he had some weird stuff that was just like i don't know if he's going to translate if he's going to pan out and he was very bad as an nfl I mean, receiver if you, his rookie year yeah if you had i mean obviously we didn't like him like you said but if you had told me that everything was going to happen the way it did without telling me like how the stats or anything would go I mean, I would have been way higher because, like, I don't like him as a prospect, but, like, if he's going to succeed, this is how he's going to succeed with a top-five quarterback and, like, an awesome role because Mike Williams goes down in, like, week three. And he didn't. Like, it, at any point, he was never good. Like, if you if you could have just told me he flashed somewhere, like, oh, well, he had a 100-yard game here and a touchdown. Like, okay, that's that's fine. He No, he was bad the entire season. Yeah. Uh, he only caught 31% of his contested targets. That's not very good. I saw, too, he had the second most contested targets in the NFL of any rookie receiver, um, and he caught only 31% of them, so that's not great. He also had a 0.8 yards per route run, uh, which is essentially it's just a stat that kind of gives you a pretty good barometer of a player's role in the offense. Um, how much do they produce uh, requisite to the amount of routes that they run for for their team? And 0.8 is a very, very bad number. The best players end up at like 2, 2.0 plus. So 0.8 is obviously less than that. I found two worse yards per route run rookie seasons since 2019. Two. Less than 0.8. Those okay. two were from Taekwon Thornton uh, last year. And Forgot about him, I, honestly. I did too, because he disappeared because he was bad. The other guy was somebody I legitimately didn't know who they were. It was somebody named Keyshawn, Keyshawn Jackson, or Keyshawn, however you say it. Never heard of him. Uh, he was really bad. Does he, he, in 2019. does he play? Who does he play for? He's not in the league anymore. I genuinely oh. do not know who it is. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that is not a good sign for Quentin Johnston. No. So, oh, boy. Well, at least Quentin's so, yeah. got first-round draft capital, so he's got that going for him. He does. 
He does. He will be around a little bit longer. Maybe he can figure it out. There is that old adage that Devontae Adams was really awful in yards per route run his first year. Maybe it was even two years. He was very bad starting his off his career and then obviously turned into what he turned into. I guess it could happen, but but Johnson was pretty rough. I mean, he's he's doesn't catch very well. He's not as fast as you would think because, like, he coming in, people thought he was kind of a physical freak. Like, okay, even if he's not, you know, amazing catcher, like, oh, he's super fast. He runs like a four five five, which is, I mean, it's I would expect better from a from a freak. Special. Yeah, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba runs about that, but when there's so many other holes in his game. Like, he doesn't run good routes. He doesn't have good footwork. He can't catch with his hands. Like, all you are is big at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You're big, and you have a good quarterback, but, like, if you're not good, then that doesn't mean that you're going to produce good numbers. Yeah, so I I don't wish bad things on Quentin Johnson. I really don't. But it's going to be a hot – he's going to have to do a lot in year two for me to, to change my tone on him. Yeah. Um. Here's another just a rapid fire section of players that we specifically check, 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 said, check, check. yeah, that you should fade at different points in the offseason. Uh, we said not to draft from Andre Stevenson at his ADP. He finishes the uh, RB35. Said Did don't get draft hurt, Kenneth but Walker. But he wasn't producing before he got hurt either. Yes. Uh, probably due to the fact that the Patriots are awful. But, you know, that's yeah. neither here nor there. It's one of the um, reasons we faded him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See the right see the writing on the wall, people. Yeah. Uh we said fade Kenneth Walker at his ADP. He ended up at RB nineteen, which I guess isn't terrible, but he was a third round pick. So not amazing. This this was maybe like the best oh yeah, we, we got this one right. Uh Kadarius Tony. I don't I don't know if you remember the hype around Tony, Ben, in the offseason. But it, it got and a I little was, bit hot. I was for none of it. No. We we said do not under any circumstances whatsoever draft Kadarius Tony at his ADP. He is currently, or I guess finished as the wide receiver, hundred and eight in fantasy football. I think Kadarius Tony at one point got up to fifth and sixth round like yes. ADP, and I wasn't taking him like if obviously I wasn't taking him there, but like we you and I both weren't taking him like if he fell to ninth and tenth round. Like I'm just was we were just flat out willing to miss on Kadarius Tony. Like if we're wrong, we're wrong. But the floor is so low, and I we just didn't see a ceiling to where. Like if even if we missed on him and he goes out there and has, what 800 yards and five touchdowns. Like okay, well if that's not, that's not going to make or break you. And right, he he wasn't close to any of it. Yeah, he was bad. Uh, another one, we stood on a box for this one. Damian Pierce, we said, nope, no way, no how. They brought in Devin Singletary, and it felt like, and I think the reasons we faded him were not the the reasons he ended up not being good. We faded him because we thought the offense wasn't going to be great because they drafted a rookie quarterback. They were very bad last year, and they brought in uh, backfield competition. So it was like, okay, it's going to be a low-volume offense. He's got competition. He doesn't catch passes. The offense ended up being good. They made the playoffs. CJ Stroud's <laughs> Spectacular awesome. offense. But Singletary stole his job. And yeah, so, flat out. It wasn't even close. <laughs> like Singletary was a three-down back. Yeah, Singletary was awesome down the stretch, frankly. And Damian Pierce sort of disappeared. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't have much to say other than I. Yeah, we told you to stay away from him. He was going in like the fifth round. Like not nope, not touching him there. New. No. Um, last one here. This will be our final pat on the back, and this is we got David Montgomery right. We basically sort of called him what he we... ended up being. <laughs> yeah. We said he was the next Jamal Williams, which I guess if you were to make a comp for this, the 2023's version of 2022 Jamal Williams, it ended up being Dave Montgomery, who didn't catch a lot of passes, was fine as a runner, a good runner, not like incredible on the ground, not a Nick Chubb sort of season, but just scored so many touchdowns and ended up being a pretty decent fantasy football asset. He didn't score the, as many touchdowns as Jamal Williams, but he also catches more passes than Jamal Williams does, so that kind of helped even it out a little bit. Jamal or yeah. he was like the RB13 in half PPR, scored 205 points. Uh, last year, Jamal Williams was the RB8 in half PPR, scored 225 points. So about a 20-point difference between the two. But Not also, Jameer Gibbs proved he's better than uh, DeAndre Swift. I will be the first one to admit that. Even though I love Swift, Gibbs is better. So the fact that Montgomery still like scored like 20 points less than Jamal Williams in competition with a better back, I mean, that we were pretty much right there. Yeah, I, I can, I, safe to say, we got that one right. Yeah. So, that's where we're right. That's where we were wrong. That's the process. Um, I guess the the reasoning behind uh, behind what we did this past season, and uh, hopefully we'll do pretty well next year. Gotta get some money. Oh, go get some money. Yes, get that. Make that money, boys. <laughs> uh, anything else? Is are there any? Did we miss anybody? I guess. No, we were correct on every other player. Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah. Flawless execution this year outside of Pollard, Ridley, and Sanders. Oh, amazing. We'd love yeah. to see that. That's. Yeah. We're going to just think chalk we won it up a lot right of championships, now. didn't we? Nope. You would think. <laughs> you would think. I won my work league. I have that. I got that going for me, but. Do you, do you care? Not even a, not even no, a bit. not a chance, <laughs> not at all. I like hardly even set a lineup in my championship in that yeah. one. That was just like, oh, I, okay, I won, cool, great. There was too much other heartbreak going on for you to, like, okay, I want to redraft with people I don't even like. Great. Uh, I was too busy getting my soul taken in the playoffs by the last game of the week. It, two weeks in a row, it was just. Will Aaron Jones forever be one of your least favorite players? I can't stand him anymore. Yeah, you're done. He did it to me so bad that um, it's a good it's a good thing Aaron Jones is getting old because I will never be tempted to trade for him in a dynasty league because I just oh yeah can't no stand he's him. he's he's done after this year. <laughs> I I think the ship has sailed on him, and for good reason. It'll just be nice not to have to see him in the opponent's lineup because I just will I, grind my teeth. I don't even want to see your name on a roster, sir. Absolutely. Um, that'll do it for this one. If you enjoy the episode, please leave us 
a star rating and review wherever you're listening to the podcast. If you're listening on Apple, you can leave a review down there at the bottom uh, as well. You can do that on Spotify. Subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Hit There's a little notification bell if you go and click on our YouTube page there. And that'll let you know every time we post a video, an episode. Um, if you want to talk fantasy football all offseason, we got a Discord. The link to it is going to be in the show notes wherever you're listening or watching. And uh, we'll see you next week. What are we doing next week, Ben? What did we decide? Uh, I believe we will finally be putting a cap on the 2023-2023 quote-unquote fantasy season. We will be doing our annual award show. We will be giving out awards to people who don't know who we are and will never care who we are, which is great. Some will be good. Some will be bad. Hopefully, it'll be a great time. Uh, we will be collabing with our buddy Landon Huell just because he's a really funny guy and he has a lot of great ideas for this stuff. So very excited about that. We'll be clapping off the 2023 season and then getting into Dynasty after that. Heck yeah. I love the award show. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year. It's I'm like excited. It's slept on because it's after the season's over, but the award show is always so much fun. Y'all may not like it, but we're sure having a good time out there. It's like when your your little kid is is up there, you know, you know, playing in the church choir or whatever. Like he's having a good time. Nobody else cares, yeah. but he's happy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's smiling. He's good. He's staring he's, off in his face, yeah. maybe picking his nose a little bit. But it's great. Everybody's yeah. happy. Yeah, fun times. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.